Today on a sponsored heavy networking episode, we're going to get into network visibility and performance monitoring. It's no secret that your network, or more correctly, your networks are everywhere. Some of them you own, others you don't, but you still need monitoring, telemetry, and performance data so you can support workers and applications, whether they be at headquarters, branch offices, home offices, or the cloud. So we're happy to welcome Thousand Eyes back to the podcast to find out what new capabilities they have to help you get the insights you need. And it's been just about a year since Thousand Eyes was acquired by Cisco, so we're also going to talk about how Thousand Eyes is being integrated into the Cisco portfolio. Our Thousand Eyes guests are Angelique Medina, Head of Product Marketing, and Prab Singh, Group Product Manager. Angelique and Prab, welcome to the podcast. So just for a brief reminder, start us off with a 30,000 foot view of Thousand Eyes and what you do. Yeah, sure. So Thousand Eyes is really focused on providing visibility into external networks. So networks that you don't own, like internet service providers, transit providers, cloud networks, um, and even to applications like SaaS applications or your own application. We take all this data from the network, network path, BGP, application layer information, and we correlate it together so you can really quickly identify the source of a problem if it's the network or the app, and if it's the network, whose network. So it's kind of in a nutshell what we do. Um, and like you said, we've been part of Cisco for about a year. So you know, a lot has happened in terms of some of the integrations we've done across the various Cisco platforms. So really excited about that. I'm really looking forward to the conversation because Thousand Eyes was very much over the network for a long time. So you've been coming to the packet pushes for quite a few years now. And I've sort of seen the whole progression of the product from, you know, step by step as it moved forward. And it's been very interesting to sort of watch how we've moved from uh, devices over the network probes, you know, where Thousand Eyes had probes all over the network and could build up a model of the internet to now including data from inside your network. So inside switches and probes. And now being part of Cisco, I assume that's extended further. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think having the ability to see not only from outside your network, but also the inside of your network has always been um, kind of a a key, you know, problem that our, our, our enterprise customers wanted to solve because a lot of the traffic that originates will originate from your offices, your retail stores that will be accessing applications across the WAN increasingly. Actually, I'll share a story, you know, even if you, if you Google thousand eyes, Cisco, uh, blog, um, you'll see that one of the first speakers at a Thousand Eyes user conference was actually Cisco IT themselves. It's because Cisco IT was going through a Salesforce migration at that time and needed to understand from their own sites uh, um, the Salesforce performance problems that they were seeing that they didn't see in their older CRM applications that was on-prem. Um, and the pilot went really well. And then as we were going, you know, expanding from 20 sites to 200 sites, it became clear that we kind of needed to have a more kind of flexible model to be able to, to deploy agents within your network or software yeah. within your network at scale. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I'm really, really excited about now becoming part of Cisco because we essentially have this opportunity to turbocharge that effort. Yeah. You get to leverage, well, obviously the Cisco the brand and the, and the reach and everything like that. Yeah, so we're going to dig into, you know, uh, how Cisco is integrating you into uh, their own devices so you can get uh, increased views in different places. But I, I think one of the things I mentioned in the intro is that we're in this sort of new world now where folks are working from everywhere, including the home. And I know, you know, for a long time, Thousand Eyes could tell me about WAN traffic or internet traffic, but now I've got users coming out of the home. Is there anything you can do there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's 
kind of funny because like we have an endpoint agent that we actually released back in 2016. And of course, like we have customers for it and and basically it's doing the same thing that our, our regular agents do, which is, you know, generating traffic to applications or in, in the case of the endpoint agent, it's also looking at how users are interacting with web applications, um, you know, their, their actual interaction, not even synthetic traffic. And this is something we've had for a while, but you know, obviously since the pandemic and everybody's working from home, it's it's really taken off and we've just had really crazy adoption um, because it is giving um, network teams and IT help desk this visibility that they previously needed from, you know, maybe their campus or branch offices. But now, you know, they've got like, you know, potentially thousands of different connections um, for all of their employees. And and so this gives them visibility directly from their the employees um, a laptop or desktop um, to mm. you know these applications. So can you t- talk a little bit more about that because there's different approaches. One is to do like a synthetic transaction and work off that measurement to see if there's something that needs to be remediated. But it sounds like you're also just getting real time telemetry from what users are experiencing in the moment as they're interacting with applications. Yeah, absolutely. So that you know the endpoint agent really is pretty cool because it enables you to to look at both. You can look at kind of that real-time telemetry, not only from a network path standpoint, but also looking at, for example, as they're navigating um, particular web applications that IT defines. So for example, maybe Salesforce or an Office 365 app, it will look at, you know, how the waterfalls, you know, as they kind of navigate through the application, if there are any issues in terms of components that might not be loading properly, um, or if there's any kind of application um, uh, latency. But it also supports synthetic testing, which you might want to do, for example, if you want to be a little bit more proactive. Um, Maybe their employee is not necessarily using Salesforce at any given time, but you have these regular tests that you're doing to that application. So you know if something, um, if there's a problem somewhere, you can get ahead of it before the, um, you know, the, the worker experiences the problem themselves. Yeah, I'm thinking of a scenario like where an executive is going to have an important video conferencing event and you want to maybe run a test ahead of time to make sure that's going to be the best experience they can get. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And we've seen that with some of our customers. They'll do that not only from things like endpoint agents, but also leveraging um, kind of cloud agents that can kind of simulate what workers in a particular area are experiencing. And a big one has been around monitoring collaboration apps, um, especially, you know, for obvious reasons. It's always that question of whether it's the home network or the network network or the, you know, where is the actual problem lie? And from a tech support, the cost of supporting people who have historically come in on the campus network, which has got millions of dollars spent on making the campus network and the corporate internet connection. And now all of a sudden that's not as relevant as it used to be. Yeah, exactly. It's like this wild card, the user's home environment. Are they, is it their Wi-Fi? Are they plugged in? And then also you, you know, the, this is consumer broadband in in a lot of cases. You know, you don't really control what service provider your your you know workforces, um, each of your individual employees are using. So that that can be the additional challenge as well. You know, just trying to understand like you know, when I get these complaints that are coming in, is it something that's really specific to this particular worker and their setup? Or is it, you know, maybe their service provider? Is there maybe something that's happening within a transit provider? So that's kind of more of a backbone. Yeah, that is one of the unique features about Thousand Eyes is because you have that particular view of the internet yeah. and you have probes at different points in the internet across various 
colos and clouds and all that sort of stuff, you can actually give a lot of insight into where the actual problem is. So even if it's in the internet, you can say, hang on, this provider in this region is actually a problem. It's not necessarily just the internet is slow. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, so we have those kind of individual views um, or views from specific agents, but then we also can, we, we bring all of that data together and we have um, something we call internet insights, which will give you a very provider centric view. So we can take all of the tests that are run across um, our platform and say, okay, hey, we, we can see that, you know, for example, and won't call out any particular service provider, but, you know, service provider um, A is experiencing, you know, an outage in a particular region. And that might have kind of a downstream effect across employees or maybe, you know, your, your, um, corporate connectivity or um, something else. And, you know, maybe it's even just like your own customers trying to reach your app. You know, you might be getting a lot of inbound complaints, but it might be that your neighboring provider that's connected to your data center um, is the problem, right? And yeah, so being yeah, able yeah. to just immediately know that is, is very... Um, yeah. Oh, you know, or it has a major backbone provider got an outage, you know, like exactly. in one of our Slack channels today, somebody was saying, is anybody else having problems with AT&T today? Yeah. And yeah. the answer was no, but Right. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily the perfect way to get that answer. Right. Right. Exactly. It's sort of like, you know, anybody else out there uses provider, anybody else. Yeah. It's, it's very much this, it's kind of funny because like across the board, it seems like in a lot of outage situations, the, the default is to kind of, you know, go the social, you know, route, whether it's social media or even just kind of like your, your user groups or like, um, that's, that's kind the of private sanity check. Exactly, exactly. And that's not really optimal. Right, right. (laughs) So you mentioned uh, talking about the end user client that you could look at specific applications. Like I don't have to see every application. uh, I don't have to get all the data on every uh, application that the user is using. If there are specific ones I'm most interested, I can tick a box and get those as opposed to sort of this fire hose. Yeah, exactly. So the, you know, the IT administrator can basically say, you know, okay, I want to monitor, you know, these are the domains that I want to monitor. And that might vary by user groups. So you might have your sales team and you're like, okay, I want to, you know, create a, you know, I have this group of users and we're, we're monitoring maybe Salesforce and maybe we're monitoring some, you know, video conferencing app. Um, and then maybe I have this other group um, where it's like their call center employees and maybe they're connecting to a customer's data center. And so, you know, it can, it can vary and you can basically define and set that up for different users. The next question I like to ask when people talk about their endpoint agent and, you know, giving me insights into say, you know, a cloud application is having a problem. What, what do I do with that? Like if, if Oracle cloud is, is having issues, it's not like I can call them up and be like, Hey, get your application together. Or maybe, maybe Cisco can, but the most folks can't. So it's great that I can collect that information, but then what do I do with it? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's sort of a number of things that this, this, you know, solves for one of them is, you know, knowing immediately where the problem is really cuts down on the cycles that IT has to go through to figure out where the problem is. Cause oftentimes you're just trying to figure out, is this something I can solve? Is this specific to certain users? Is this, you know, the application? So that's one thing, you know, cutting down on cycles um, for finding issues. And then, you know, subsequent to that, once you know what the problem is, and maybe it's a specific application, that's the source of the problem. You can better communicate that to users And then also over time, that's useful information to have in hand because it helps you to better manage your vendors. You know, you understand, okay, you know, and, and, you know, I brought up Internet Insights earlier. That's that's something really cool that you can do with the 
with that particular product where you can see how providers are performing over time and compare them to their peers. So you can say, okay, I've got this particular application and I know that it's, you know, had some reliability issues and, you know, I can compare that to similar apps to see, you know, is there maybe a different provider that we want to go with um, or if maybe this is the norm. Um, so that just kind of helps you get a better sense of, mm. of, you know, whether or not you're, you're making the right choices with your providers over time. The other thing I like to ask about uh, the endpoint agent is you mentioned that ISP connection. There's that sort of first mile issue uh, that may be a problem. Are you able to correlate data among users? So like regionally, so like I'm in the Philadelphia area and Comcast is kind of the home ISP. So I can see like, okay, this looks like it's a Comcast wide issue and I may need to notify users as opposed to having to hunt down a million help desk tickets saying the network is slow. Yeah. yeah. So when you when you actually look in, in in the views of endpoint agents, you know we've got we've got views that with have thousands of users all generating data from their laptops, especially from homes, and you have the ability to effectively use filters at the top because you can be generating a ton of data. So we actually have to take a different approach to how we visualize and present this data versus you could you could have hundreds and maybe you know a few thousand actual branch offices, but you can have thousands and thousands remote of office workers. And so the, the framework that we've actually used to present remote endpoint agent data is based on filters. And you can apply a filter that says, show me any user going through a specific provider at this particular time. Um, and you can group them together and actually see aggregated data for those users across that network, across an application, across SSID, across a proxy, across a VPN endpoint. So that gives you the flexibility, almost like experiment and choose what you really want to look at and see if there's correlation across a certain set of metrics that you care about. I wonder if you're running, still running into those uh, objections that you know typically come up with, uh, oh, I don't want to put another agent on a machine because I have to push it out and manage and so on. Now that we are in this sort of new work from anywhere environment, have those objections kind of gone away or are they still around? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's always kind of a question around how do we minimize software footprint on a device? It's always a question. I think we've done, I think over the last 18 months, just the amount of interest we've seen is mainly been centered around the problem. Um, the, the problem of VPNs and internet issues, last mile issues is just um, become such an important problem that having a lightweight software client that takes less resources than a notepad is something that you're willing to overcome because it's able to provide you the visibility that you provide. But at the end of the day, you know, we also are cognizant of, of you know, IT teams and desktop teams that have to manage you know, a plethora of applications and want to make sure that any additional application they introduce on the device is providing the commensurate value they expect from the additional management of that piece of software that's going to be residing on the device. So now that Thousand Eyes is part of Cisco, how is that changing? Because Cisco has a range of software solutions. It has the AppDynamics portfolio where they're starting to look at developer to do observability and monitor applications. Is Thousand Eyes doing more to extend in that direction as well? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, you know, I've been really, really excited about as we have become part of Cisco is kind of just, just this opportunity to ensure that we make Thousand Eyes as easily accessible to any existing Cisco customer that has made investments into, you know, Cisco hardware over many, many years. Mm. And how can we give back some value to them by simply being a Cisco customer and being able to now get visibility across 
any vantage point, any Cisco device that they may have deployed across their branch, their campus environment, or their data center. Um, and this kind of goes back to like the, the traditional problem I was alluding to earlier, which is, you know, we 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 want to make it as easy as possible for for our our customers to be able to deploy at scale with minimal hardware investment. Yeah. And so one of the the core design principles, as we now became over the last twelve months part of Cisco, is this opportunity to really make sure that we're there by default um, mm -hmm. across the the Cisco Catalyst you know, 93 and 9,400 portfolios that typically sit, you know, at the access layer of your network, you know, uh, branch network, um, access layer. Then yeah, you've got, yeah. you know, your, 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 your branch office devices, you, you typically an ISR or the Neo or catalyst 8,000, 82, 8,300 platforms. And also across the data center, um, where you're running in, in a Nexus 93 or 9,500 device, you know, we want to make it as easy as possible for for our customers to choose where they want to deploy thousand eyes, uh, mm -hmm. using no additional hardware in the, in the past, before we were part of Cisco, actually, you know, customers had needed extra, uh, SSD drives to be able to host an application. Um, and we've worked diligently with sort of the Cisco business units to be able to make sure that we don't pose that extra burden on customers to go deploy hardware that they may not have to mm. get network visibility that they need. Yeah. So what's the rationale for getting onto like a catalyst at the access layer if I can already pull logs or flow? Yeah, the idea there was really around one, getting as close as possible to the end user. Um, typically, you know, your, your, your 93, 90, 93 or 9,400 switch is sitting at the access layer connected to some Wi-Fi um, access point. And by allowing a, you know, a, a customer to be able to deploy a 9,300 switch, one, you're getting really close to the user, but the use case there still tends to be, we care about the end-to-end -end application experience and user experience from where the user may be residing to the actual application and where it's being served from. Um, and so actually we were focused on then figuring out how your WAN connectivity to your applications is still going to be served, but we actually want to provide customers the ability to deploy it at the access. So you get as closest to, to the users as possible, yeah. although they still have choice, they can still choose to deploy them on the WAN devices if the problems are more around the WAN that they'd like to solve. And I would say that part of the reason too, in addition to like, you know, you're going to be closer to the user if you're testing from the access switch, it's also comes down to, in some cases, you might have certain customers whose routers are managed by a managed service provider, or they haven't necessarily moved to SD-WAN yet. And the fact that the catalyst is you know, really broadly deployed across um, Cisco customers, uh -huh. you know, ensures that, you know, there's that folks are going to more likely be able to leverage, um, you know, the, the, the Cat 9K series um, versus potentially with, with the uh, WAN edge devices. So the idea is instead of having to have agents on a bunch of endpoints, I can put it into an access switch and still get a general approximation of end user experience. Yes, exactly. I also think the integration with AppDynamics, I'm fascinated by Cisco's acquisition of AppDynamics and this idea of application performance monitoring. So AppDynamics is the idea is, is that the developer who's writing the apps calls a series of APIs so that they can monitor the performance of the application, not so much the network. And my understanding is, and this is what I would like to, the question I want to ask is, is that integration where ThousandEyes is now enhancing that that information, that dashboard, that that AppDynamics portfolio? 
Yeah. So I, so the idea there is that, you know, if you're, if you're managing an application and you're thinking about, you know, how do you deliver good experience to your customers, you of course want to understand how the application is performing. Um, but the application performance, um, or, or, you know, rather how either the experience of the application or the application itself in terms of, you know, maybe it's leveraging external APIs like a payment gateway or a messaging API that are um, important for the functioning of the app. If anything goes wrong, you know, you need to know about it and, you know, you, you, it may be due to a network issue. Right. And so the idea with the integration is that by, correlating or pulling in thousand eyes data, you can see, for example, maybe you have a sudden drop in transactions on your site. Um, and, you know, just via one dashboard, you could see that drop. You might be able to see that your um, connection, you know, through thousand eyes, you can see that, you know, you're not able to connect to your um, payment gateway to complete yep. the transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, you know, but by having all of that there, you know, immediately, okay, I need to, I need to get the network team, you know, online and addressing this issue um, because it's not the API that's the problem. It's it's the connectivity between ourselves. And I like to see API. that the other way around. It's the, I know it's not the network, it's the API that's at fault, but you know, you, well, be it, you. Could be, you. it could be either way, but, but either way you'll, you'll know, right? Right. You'll see like, oh, the network looks fine. It's probably. It's not the it's network. API. Yeah. And they don't call the you. That's how I'd exactly. like to say it. Exactly. <laughs> So to be clear, then with this integration, it's not that, you know, Thousand Eyes is getting into the application layer per se. It's that you can at Dynamics and Thousand Eyes are kind of meeting at the boundary to say to find out where the problem environment is. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, I mean, we do provide some uh, application visibility as well. I mean, we have application synthetics, you know, we can look, for example, we have the ability to, for example, do page load testing, looking at waterfalls and even transactions where, you know, the agent will log into the application and go through some workflows so we can look at, you know, how an application itself is performing. But obviously, you know, with something like App Dynamics, where they're in, you know, they've instrumented the application, you know, they're going to provide that really detailed level of data. Um, but kind of combining these two, that's really where the idea is. It's not so much that Thousand Eyes is, um, you know, doing anything sort of differently uh, with AppD. It's, it's, you know, the, the value of the data that we bring itself just yeah. correlated alongside AppD. Because AppD, really you know, those, those tools, those application observability tools yeah. don't normally see the infrastructure. They just go like, well, it's not the app. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And therefore, exactly. the, it must be someone else to blame. And this is very popular with the cloud because, of course, the cloud can never break. You know, like it's the cloud is this ultimately flawless solution if you listen to the boosters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. never have a problem. It's never us. It's, you know, you better check the, it's your fault. And that's getting that visibility. And I think the other angle, which I'm really, which which we don't seem to talk about enough is that we often have everything everywhere. Like cloud didn't replace something, it's yeah. extra. Right. You have an extra data center in the cloud. You have extra apps in the cloud and you still have everything that you still have on prem with all of the the operational load associated with that. And then you go to the cloud and all of a sudden you've got way more types of infrastructure, much worse networking that can't be used. And you can only use it via an API, which you've never seen before. And troubleshooting cloud networking problems is effectively impossible. 
you know, you, you need something that's going to sit outside of all that so you know where to blame, where you can. So when you go to AWS and raise a fault and they just sit there and go, no one else is reporting it. It's not my fault. It's yours. You know, you've got to have it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's it's not just the fact that, you know, the users are everywhere and connecting to the applications. Also, to your point, the application itself, you know, you might have, you know, your workloads on prem in your data center or in the cloud, but also like a lot of applications are leveraging all of these different external services, you know, that are kind of extending the capabilities of the application and you have to access those over the internet or maybe cloud provider networks. And that just creates like all of these wildcards, you know, you've got maybe, you know, a dozen different APIs that you're connecting to. Well, you won't know, you know, what the problem is unless you have that really deep visibility into, you know, the connectivity and also the availability and performance of those external services. So this integration with uh, Thousand Eyes and the AppDynamics Dash Studio, is that primarily meant for the folks using AppDynamics as a way to sort of peek over to the infrastructure side if they're trying to diagnose a problem, or is it intended for the infrastructure and the applications teams? I actually think it goes both ways. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we what we've heard repeatedly from our, our direct customers that tend to be network, you know, administrators and engineers and architects, um, that we need a way to communicate what we're seeing to our application peers. At the same time, it would be beneficial if we can simply have a way to show relevant network information across how their applications are performing within the views that typically they use, which is you know app dynamics and, and other APM tools they potentially may have. And so with Dash Studio, what we've done is essentially allowed our network teams uh, that may already have network information, but they're consistently being pulled into, you know, joint calls with their application owners and others to figure out where the problem lies. Essentially, sh- like stream uh, a live view of the data within AppDynamics. And typically, you know, AppDynamics and you know, APM tools are really good actually telling you that there's a there's a problem with hmm. some call but they typically can't tell you where the problem is uh, if it's across the across a network between those two API calls or service calls that you're making. And by working in conjunction with the network teams, it actually allows an information exchange of just also how applications are architected. So our network teams can better use that information to probe in the right places and then provide that information back to the application owners. And so it's like, it's almost this, this, this notion of a common operational language we want to be able to eventually get to where both teams are speaking the same language around where the potential problem may lie. I'm curious if there's a role for Thousand Eyes as, you know, more folks are getting into microservices and these distributed applications Mm -hmm. where there's components running on VMs or containers, uh, maybe all on the physical host or across a bunch of different physical hosts. And there's that small network piece in between them, but it's not going across, you know, a WAN or a data center network. Uh, is, is there a role for Thousand Eyes there? I mean, we do have customers today that are effectively cloud native and typically have a need because they're running, let's say, a service mesh across an AWS environment and they've got, you know, services service calls that are happening either within availability zones or across availability zones and regions. Um, where they need to be able to understand 
why or where the problem is occurring. Is this a, an AWS network problem? Is this an ISB problem that's maybe connecting to regions because I'm not using AWS Global Accelerator? Or is it something to do with the service itself? Like we actually had a customer who ran into an issue in AWS where they had a service mesh problem. And basically at five o'clock every morning, for about five minutes, they would see you know, uh, uh, service call failures, and but it would go away after a few minutes. And they had to essentially write without thousands. They had to go in, and one of the engineers had to write a script that captured essentially you know TCP dump for mm. thirty minutes every day for the next you know few weeks. Analyze the results, realized that the problem was actually between a specific availability zone to another availability zone in a particular AWS region. And it was a very specific problem, but they needed to be able to run that telemetry manually to be able to get there. They used ThousandEyes, and basically what they built was a is a full you know uh, full mesh between where all these service calls happen, so they can have historical information to be able to pinpoint if there's a common cause of the problem, and then be able to show, hey, do we need to create an AWS ticket to be able to show them where this is happening, or do we need to do something else with our application? So I think there is a use case for this that we're seeing more and more customers adopt as they become more cloud native. So does this mean uh, Thousand Eyes is tying into a service mesh, or you're having some element within the service mesh export data out to Thousand Eyes? It's still early. Um, you know, customers generally will have typically have a, like a cloud networking team that know how service meshes operate and then are using thousand ice data to almost as, as an overlay of how the networks operate. There's no correct current tie-ins between a service mesh and how you generate the probing within thousand eyes. I think that's something that could be interesting, something we should explore, but um, it's mostly around one understanding how the service mesh operates and then what network telemetry do you need to be able to pinpoint issues that may happen in the future that allow you to figure out the specific points of failure, uh, whether it's within the AWS network or outside. All right, I'm going to pull us back from the cloud and get back down to uh, the the campus network. You you mentioned Thousand Eyes can run as an agent on switches on the catalyst switches. D uh, we talked about you know hesitation of putting another agent on an endpoint uh, or a desktop. Do you get that same concern with putting an agent onto a switch? That's a really yeah really good question. You know, given the mission critical nature of switching environments that our customers, you know, Cisco customers have invested in, there's always going to be questions around, okay, can we do this securely and reliably at scale? Right. And it's something we've been planning for from the earliest of days, making sure one, the way the, the, the Docker, in this case, the, the Thousand Eyes agent actually runs as a Docker container within mm -hmm. the catalyst switch. And the Docker container actually runs through a framework that's being controlled by a central Cisco team that manages across all Cisco devices. And the Docker container is actually restricted in the, in the amount of resources it has guaranteed and available to it. So what that really does to us is essentially it uses Linux C groups at the end of the day to restrict access um, from a resource standpoint, as well as from a privilege standpoint. So uh, in the event, in the future event of a, a completely unknown bug that comes up, the agent container still is able to be kind of self-reliant and not impact the core switching functions that the business relies upon. So we've done quite a bit of kind of testing around that. 
Um, there's also obviously questions around performance. Like what if this agent, the container that's running is doing lots of testing, is this gonna impact CPU performance and RAM usage that my core switching functions need? And we've done quite a bit of benchmarking of running our agent fully loaded with all the tests. Again, you know, the resource constraints make sure that even if there is a potential unknown event in the future that causes something that the container will never be able to take more resources in some limit that we've given, in which case you could potentially have an agent problem, but you'll never have a switch problem because of the thousandized container. And so, yeah, that's something we've We've, we've tested at scale, and then now we have hundreds of customers running this live yeah. um, and have not had any of this problem come up so far. So fingers crossed. It doesn't strike me that the agent is hugely intent, like resource intensive. It doesn't feel like something that needs a quad-core Xeon with a gigabyte of memory and you know fiber-channel storage arrays. It's, it's just something that generates a, a sum flow of packets, but not a huge amount, or, or am I misunderstanding? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Like, even if you compare the the agent running on a server today, um, our problem is never CPU usage um, because it's running. You know, roughly, you know, you know, per, per, per network test that it does, it's sending uh, you know hundreds of packets, not thousands and millions of packets per second, mm, yeah. um, and you're running it as frequently as one or two minutes, and so. Uh, CPU usage almost never, even on a, on a on a small server that typically customers run it on today, never spikes above five percent or six percent, even with an agent running all the tests it can potentially run. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, you're you're absolutely right that it's not CPU hungry uh, mm. in any way. Um, we we do we watch for RAM usage because um, it can you know run things in parallel with some some of the voice tests that we run. We also do SNMP based data collection and augment yep. that on the end to end picture that takes some RAM usage. So we watch for that. But yeah, overall, uh, fingers crossed. So far, has been everything's been great. Uh, so, w- what about? SD-WAN, is there a role for Thousand Eyes there, uh, particularly in the Cisco portfolio? And I guess as I'm asking that, I'm thinking, do I even need Thousand Eyes in SD-WAN because isn't my SD-WAN device already doing performance measurement on the paths it's using to send traffic? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good question. I think so. A lot of customers that are running SD-WANs typically, you know, will run an SD-WAN through you know a series of tunnels they'll set up across sites. And at the end of the day, what we're really trying to do is give back our customers that are running SD-WAN visibility across for operational needs, as well as for application and user experience uh, mm. benchmarking. Um, as we introduce you know, this, this modern network that's software defined, that's able to pick the best path to the best application at a, at a particular time, it's actually one been really useful to be able to use Thousand Eyes to benchmark performance as you're moving to an, almost an internet-based WAN. Um, are users still being served at the way you'd expect? And are we meeting your organizational KPIs and SLAs you'd have around you know, um, accessing these applications? Second, it's around you know, operationally, what happens when you've got um, an SD-WAN you know, policy that's set to take the best path to the application, but mm-hmm. um, it's not triggering the SLAs, for example, or it's triggering too much because you have a chronically bad transport provider. We see this a lot in Asia 
um, and LATAM, where you can have potentially, you know, chronically bad ISPs, where SD-WAN can only route you across the paths it has available. And if one of them is always bad, you're always only taking one of the paths and you're, you're wondering, you know, you know, what do I, what can I do to make sure that I'm, I'm redundant and actually have the, the capabilities that I need? And so one of the things we've done is ensure that, you know, when you run a Docker container, again, on, a, on an SD-WAN edge device, it's able to, through vManage, which you use to centrally orchestrate your SD-WAN devices, you can actually run the container, put it in the right service VPN, so it can uh, measure the end-to-end application performance across the SD-WAN, outside the SD-WAN, behind on the back end, maybe across your data center or a cloud environment, but also use your local DIA config so that you can run the underlay tests underneath the tunnel and tie those two together within a single view in Thousand Eyes that show you how your underlay ISP providers or MPLS providers are actually impacting the SD-WAN tunnels and at the end of the day, application performance. I would say that the other value that it brings in relation to SD-WAN is that it's showing the the underlay network path, right? So the SD-WAN analytics are kind of showing you maybe end-to-end performance or point-to-point performance, but you're not going to be able to see if you do run into an issue, maybe you see that you have increased latency, but you don't necessarily know where that latency is occurring. And so because we show um, every single node between um, points within your SD-WAN and also all the way to an application or service that you might be accessing, you can see that full path and know exactly where problems are happening. Okay, so it's not that I'm using Thousand Eyes to help inform the SD-WAN make its path selection. It's more to do that benchmarking even before I lay down SD-WAN to see what what I'm going to get or to check the underlay. I think the key here is to understand that SD-WAN is dependent on a bunch of other things to happen. So it requires internet, operates over the internet, a lot of people have internet and MPLS. They use both dedicated and shared and shared bandwidth. Uh, and then when you go into the cloud, you go over these weird MPLS networks where there's direct, they call it direct internet, but it's actually indirect. The clouds were all built to have front ends. And so you go through these weird back doors where only specific license providers are allowed to provide it. And, and bringing all that together to know which one of those is actually working, not all that easy. Yeah. Actually, another point there, you know, um, not only do you have, you know, your, your SD-WAN and your inner provider and your cloud providers, but now increasingly with the pandemic, we are seeing just an explosion also of using, you know, middle mile providers like, you know, like with security web gateways that combine the way you secure branch office users as well as home office users. Mm-hmm. So SD-WAN is only part of the picture where you're using an SD-WAN to connect to maybe a cloud cloud proxy provider or cloud secure web gateway provider like a you know Cisco Umbrella or a Zscaler or Palo Alto Prisma that then takes you on the back end to a cloud applications. And you essentially need to know the full end-to-end journey now where most of that journey is happening across someone else's network. Mm, that's right. And often those networks are not trustworthy or visible or knowable. And they're often operated by companies of varying quality. And often the companies who operate them don't even know that their networks may be dysfunctional. They may actually sit there and say, oh, our, our data shows network's working fine. Can't be us. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and it's, it's a lot of the times, you know, I think you, there's, there's three moving parts where you've got, you know, the middle mile provider trying to optimize connectivity to its users while at the same time you have cloud providers telling, you know, direct users, Hey, do not use any middle mile providers and to connect mm -hmm. directly to us because we're investing in this large scale CDN so we can get closer to the end users. So there's, there's like, there's multiple moving parts of yeah, the CDN how, yeah, of how applications are being accessed and how do you get the true sense of the end-to-end -end application experience? CDN testing would be very good use for synthetic transactions I hadn't previously considered. You know, CDNs we see we see quite a bit of you know users use you know Thousandize for CDN performance mainly to um, understand you know our especially when you have an AnyCast-based CDN like where the user traffic being served from um, and mm -hmm. our latency increases happening because you're going to a different CDN endpoint. And can you know exactly what CDN provider is being ser is serving that? And also on the back end, as your origins push content out to CDNs, um, can you ensure connectivity? Because it's for dynamic traffic, um, you need to ensure that there's consistent you know, availability or connectivity to from your origin networks to your CDNs. Well, that does uh, bring us to the end of our time. Uh, where can folks find out more about Thousand Eyes? Yeah, so you can go to thousandeyes.com uh, forward slash packet pushers and get more information there. Fantastic. Thousandeyes.com slash packet pushers. Uh, Angelique and Prab, are you social? Are you online? Do you have Twitter? Do you have a blog? Do you have TikTok dance videos you want to share? <laughs> uh, well, if you want to follow me or check out my uh, Twitter feed, it's at BitPrints. Great. And Prab? Yeah, um, I'm definitely a very social person. Would love to to, to meet you guys in, per, in person and have a beer. But um, <laughs> you, know, you typically find me on social platforms like LinkedIn. You can find me by my name, have a chat. Um, not super active on, on Twitter, um, but you can also find me you know, on the Thousand Eyes blog um, with some of the blogs I've written. Fantastic. Well, Angelique and Prob, thank you for joining us. And thanks to Cisco Thousand Eyes for being a sponsor. And thanks to you for being a listener. If you like this episode, there are many more of them. Find free technical podcasts and our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. We are on Twitter at Packet Pushers. You can also find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And as always, last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.